Good morning, church. Today's sermon is called Behind Prison Bars. This is the first sermon in our Easter series. And this morning I will be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 47. The betrayal and the arrest of Jesus. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? that it must be so. At that hour Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I have sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples left and fled. Jesus before Caiaphas and the council. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered, and Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death but they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He uttered the blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. They spit in his face and they struck him. You may not be facing an arrest like Jesus, but today I would like to focus on the preparation that Jesus did before his arrest and see if we can use this in our own lives. As I prepared this sermon, a good friend suggested that I look into someone called Viktor Frankl. Um, so I did. His book is called Man's Search for Meaning and it's very good. I do recommend it. Um, Viktor Frankl was an Austrian 
neurologist and psychiatrist. He was also a concentration camp survivor. Viktor Frankl's wife, his unborn child, his mother and his father all died in concentration camps. Viktor Frankl saw a pattern amongst concentration camp survivors that their hope of survival remained because they knew their why. This gave them a reason to survive. It may have been an unfinished work or a story that had to be told or the hope that they would return to a loved one. People ask the question, what is the meaning of life? But what is the meaning of life is the wrong question. The real question is, what is the meaning of your life? The answer is as unique to each individual as each individual is unique. Your, the meaning of your life may be to create, it may be to suffer, it may be to love. It may be a mix of these three. Viktor Frankl subscribed to the statement, who knows the why for his life will be able to bear almost any how. It is worth noting that the author of this quote, Frederick Nietzsche, was anti-Christian. His why was against God. But our why, as Christians, should be related to our love of Jesus Christ. In my day-to-day -day work, I work with students on their projects for their degree. And if a student has established their why for their project, they will be able to justify all sorts of design decisions. But the students who do not establish a why for their project will find this much more difficult. Let's look at some whys. Why am I staying at home? Is it because of the pandemic? Is it to protect the NHS? Why am I putting a loaf of bread back? I went to the supermarket the other day and I picked up two loaves of bread because the sign said take a maximum of two loaves of bread. But I was stopped by the lady at Tesco's who said, please would you put one back because this is all the bread that we have. So I did. Your prison. During this pandemic is tempting to build your own little prison safe from the world. At this point, I'd like to mention the final paragraph of Viktor Frankl's book. His book finishes with this quote, For we have come to know man as he really is. After all, man is that being who invented the gas chamber of Auschwitz. However, he is also that being who entered those gas chambers upright and with the Lord's Prayer or the Shem Israel on their lips. So how do we practically apply some of the things that we've heard already? How do we change our target? What are we aiming for? Our aim, therefore, is not so much to stand firm in the faith as it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You see, if we establish that our aim is to pursue God and we are responsible for keeping that aim our focus, then our ability to stand firm will surely ensue. Aiming for success is like trying to stay awake. Your why should be bigger than oneself. So where are you aiming? We also 
have a very important thing that we can control. Everything can be taken from us. Everything can be taken from man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, is to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. I want to go back to Jesus's arrest, but I want to look at it from a different point of view. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Okay, so that's Luke chapter 22, verse 39. We read, Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him on reaching the place he said to them pray that you will not fall into temptation he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus knew what his why was. His aim was to rescue mankind and restore the broken relationship between God and man. The disciples fell asleep, but God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus. Jesus has given us this model. What are you facing today? What are you called to face in your own life? What is your why? What are you aiming for? What is your why? Are you suffering? Do you need to reach out for support and encouragement? Recently, I have experienced panic and anxiety. This can become like a mental prison, but I reached out to friends who cared for me. When I didn't understand what I was feeling and didn't know the first steps to identifying the roots of my emotions, I had friends who were there, who, who were there to stand with me in truth, to encourage and love me. In my physical and mental life, I have the freedom to choose Jesus every day. I choose my attitude. I choose how I react and I am responsible for picking up my cross in every situation that I face, whether it is to create or to suffer or to love. So we are free to choose but we must be responsible for our choice. In James 1.17, it reads, everything good comes from God. We all need to see the good that is coming from God in our own lives, but we also need to see and help encourage each other to see the good that is coming into each other's lives. Share what you see like a painter, but also help others to see like an eye specialist. I remember Acts 16, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison 
and their jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors fell open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. This story lifts my spirit and it helps me to remember my why. I think of faithful friends in our church family and that helps me to remember my why. I have been listening to a song by the brilliance called Turning Over Tables and we will include a link to this song in the chat so you can check it out on YouTube. One particular line goes, when I see you in the stranger, I'm no longer a slave. And this helps me to remember my why. Because seeing the glorious details of God working in our lives is a way that I pursue God. So what is your why? Is it an unfinished work that only you can finish? Is it creating something? Is it in beauty? Is it in suffering? Or is it in giving yourself to another in love? Let's pray. Lord, please help us to establish our why. Help us as we pursue you. Bless us all as we take up our cross in all the situations that we face. Thank you for the unique path that you have given to each of us. Amen.